You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your only daily podcast on all things Miami Marlins. We're going to keep that player review series rolling. Today is going to be none other than Lewis Brinson. You already knew that because you clicked play and I gave it away in the title. So if you're disappointed, you were already disappointed when you clicked play. So I'm sorry. But actually, Brinson was better this year. And I have some interesting trends that you can do what you will with the data. You could probably spin it in a way that it's positive. You could spin it in a way that is negative, And that is just the nature of numbers in itself. I'm going to leave that up to you. But what I am going to do is talk about these numbers, a little bit of what they mean, somewhat like I did with the last episode with Sandy Alcantara. If you missed that one, I had a lot of fun breaking down Sandy Alcantara's season and some of the adjustments that he made. I go pretty deep into the analytics on Alcantara, and it was a lot of fun. So definitely take a chance to look back at that one if you're more interested in pitcher reviews or if you just like Sandy Alcantara, because if you're a Marlins fan, he's got to be one of your favorites. So Lewis Brinson, definitely better this year. While that doesn't mean much, given the fact that he has been very, very bad in his major league career so far, he was definitely looking like a more confident player out there. And look, I've said it time and time again on here. It's the fact that Lewis Brinson is a stand-up dude, and I know firsthand, and he is a great guy that you should want to root for. Of course, his struggles are frustrating. Not going to bore you with that whole lecture again. What I will say, though, is he's definitely somebody that typically I don't like to root or root against any players at this point where I'm talking about the game and covering things, but I can't help but root for Lewis Brinson. Brinson was better this year. Overall, his numbers took a hit towards the end, had some hot moments, but the final slash line, 226, 268, 368, which is good for a 636 OPS, sounds pretty bad. But Lewis Brinson's role was carved out as to something that I think we all know what it was. It was a platoon guy. And as a platoon guy, he was actually effective against left-handed pitching and small sample sizes, right? But the fact is, he was good against left-handed pitching. How good would he have been on a full-season scale? I don't know. Only 54 plate appearances. But 54 plate appearances, he hit 260, 315 on base, 480 slugging. That's good for a 795 OPS, which you would take from Lewis Brinson every day of the week and twice on Sunday, especially given what he can do defensively out there and the fact that he can motor on the base paths. So what did he do against right-handed pitching? Obviously, if his average was 226, it wasn't very good against right-handed pitching. He actually had 58 plate appearances against righties where he hit 196 with a 224 on base, 268 slugging. That is good for a 492 OPS, which is about as low as it gets. So Lewis Brinson, not much different against right-handed pitching. Against left-handed pitching, he was much different, and he looked much different. And I'm going to get into those numbers as to why he was so much better against lefties. Well, one major improvement that we saw from Lewis Brinson this year, whether it was against lefties or righties, was his plate discipline. He was a little bit more 
improved in that regard on both sides, but especially against the left-handed pitching, did not chase nearly as much. And we have that just ingrained in our head, right, of Lewis Brinson chasing a breaking ball in the dirt, then swinging through a fastball at his eyes, right? He did not do that nearly as much this year, especially on the off-speed pitches. He was chasing off-speed pitches in 2019 and in 2018, roughly 50% of the time. I think in 2019, almost 60% of the time. He cut that down to 32%. And that's something that gave him a shot at the plate. He chased fastballs a little bit more, but he's putting himself in better counts. And overall, you'll take that. Also cut down on chasing breaking balls from 36% to 27% of the time. So overall, more discipline at the plate. That's something you love to see. The exit velo as a result was higher too on average. He squared up some more baseballs and he didn't swing and miss quite as much. Overall, the K rate drops from 30% to 26.8%. Walk rate jumps just a small little tinge, but at least it went up. Yeah, we're setting the bar low when it comes to what we're looking for with Lewis Brinson, but what is his future? Can he carve out a role now that he took a step in the right direction? I think in today's game, there's two ways you can look at it, right? If you can go with a guy that you don't have to platoon, of course, that is something you love. But with the dramatic splits we see quite often in this game, especially with how good pitchers are, there is a chance you could see more platoons moving forward. I'm not saying that's what you want to have, but there's a chance that it's what we see because of how much certain hitters struggle against righties or lefties. And ultimately, especially lefties, with just how nasty southpaws are on the mound. Again, if you're a good hitter, a really good hitter, you'll be able to navigate both ways, and that's what you ultimately want, and that's what the Marlins hope some of their prospects can be. You know, J.J. Boudet, I don't think the Marlins are hoping that he is going to be a guy that can be bailed out by Lewis Brinson against lefties. So you want Bladé in your lineup every single day. And he's the type of hitter that should be able to do that. Those are the guys that, you, the blue chippers, you don't want to worry about splits. But what I will say is that if you don't have your outfield totally figured out, or you have one spot, and you have a guy like Lewis Brinson, you can salvage the value there in the meantime, right? Brinson was solid enough against lefties. And you can figure something out against righties. I would say worst case scenario, if the Marlins could not figure out what to do with their outfield, let's say the prospects weren't panning out, I could warm up to the idea of a Jock Peterson, Lewis Brinson platoon, right? Jock Peterson has just as dramatic of splits, right? He is terrible against left-handed pitching, an OPS around the mid fives. But right-handed pitching, the OPS pushes 900. That would be a very interesting platoon because, again, remember, Brinson brings value with late-inning replacements in the outfield. He is valuable as a pinch runner. Of course, that's not a reason why you're going to keep a guy in your lineup. But if he is able to hit to a 780 to 800 OPS against lefties and then plays you that great defense and can be a defensive replacement late in games, can be a pinch runner, can wreak havoc on the base paths, there's some value there. Ultimately, the Marlins want to have three everyday outfielders. That's, without a doubt, the focus. And I don't think you need to go 
to a Jock Peterson. That's just a ridiculous, like, fun idea. I would say that if you're going with Corey Dickerson next year, look at the splits. If Dickerson's struggling against lefties, that's where Brinson gets his at-bats. And in the meantime, he's a late-game defensive replacement. He's a spot starter, fourth outfielder, and then he gets his at-bats as a platoon. I think Lewis Brinson has gotten to the point now, at least with the strides that he seemingly made last year, that he is a legitimate fourth outfielder with the defense that he can provide and with the fact that he can just hit for some power which again if you can get a guy off the bench that can run into a baseball at any given time even though he isn't as consistent of a hitter as you'd like to see he's got the pop that that's valuable especially against a left-handed pitcher off the bench you know I'll take that something that's been weird though with the trends that I want to get into is the fact that he was always a guy that seemingly could only hit the fastballs. All of a sudden, that changed. Also, the strikeout rates between lefties and righties, only striking out 22% of the time against lefties is incredibly encouraging. Striking out 32% of the time against righties sounds about right. I'm going to get into the pitch data and how he hit certain pitches and why it was so different this year in a second, but a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best option for anybody that is looking to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are covered in chocolate, easy to chew, low in calories, high in protein, low in carbs, low in fat. What would you want? What else could you want in a protein bar? Oh, and did I mention low in sugar? Plenty of delicious flavors, 18 different ones to choose from. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order and a free cooler while supplies last. That is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order and a free cooler. So back to Lewis Brinson. The weird thing about Brinson this year is that all of a sudden, he went from doing the one thing that he could do to the opposite, meaning he was always a fastball hitter, and then all of a sudden, he was a breaking ball or off-speed hitter, which he has never been. Like, it's completely flipped around. And again, small sample size, I understand, but it doesn't matter because in 2019 and 2018, the numbers were so dramatically bad against breaking balls and better against fastballs that no matter how small the sample size is, you can't overlook it. When you look at 2018 against a fastball, 246. In 2019 against a fastball, 243. And then in 2020 against a fastball, 213. That's not that drastic. But when I get into the fastballs against lefties, that's where things get weird. But the breaking balls against lefties and righties is where things are bizarre. 135 against the breaking ball in 2018 against both lefties and righties. Then 080 in 2019 against breaking balls. This year hits 234 against the breaking ball, which was better than he hit against the fastballs. Then when we jump over to lefties, because that's seemingly where it's going to be for him, probably for most of his career, unless he makes some major, major changes, this is even more drastic, right? Breaking balls in 2018 against southpaws, 077. Breaking balls in 2019 against left-handed pitching, 063. Breaking balls in 2020 against left-handed pitching, 353. And while the sample size is going to be even smaller against specifically left-handed pitching, again, it doesn't matter because even in this small sample size of 17 at-bats in 2020 against breaking balls, where he saw 70 pitches, right, 70 breaking balls, he had six hits. 
the 2019 season and 2018 season combined, he had three hits against breaking balls. So he doubled that number in half the at-bats, or actually way less than half the at-bats, maybe less than a third of them. So that is just an example of how much changed. Even weirder, against left-handed pitching, this year against fastballs from southpaws, 167 he hit. So what happened to Lewis Brinson? Why did he now go from hitting fastballs well to not being able to hit fastballs, especially against lefties who are supposed to be easier to catch up to, yet he was able to hit all these breaking balls? I think it's an approach thing, first of all. Second of all, I think with his swing being so long, he's catching those breaking balls from lefties out front and yanking them. And that's really why he was able to have some more success. I think he was essentially cheating on the breaking balls, sitting on them, and just hoping that that's what was going to be thrown. If it wasn't what was thrown, you're going to see him either take it for a strike or swing and miss. And that's why he did not hit very well off of fastballs from lefties. He was a little bit better off of fastballs from righties because he would sit on that. He would be more so expecting a fastball from a righty, whereas he didn't as much from a lefty. And I think that's why you see his overall just distribution in 2020 where he hit balls. He pulled the ball more than he ever had before, which would lead to me believing he's cheating out front and just hoping to catch those breaking balls out front. 46% pull rate, which is up 12% from 2019 and up about 7% from 2018. Opposite field rate lower than ever. Only went oppo 11% of the time, which is half of what he did the previous two seasons and in his career. So he's obviously pulling more, which I promise you, I came to that conclusion before looking at the spray charts, essentially, right? When you're looking at a guy that's able to hit the breaking ball so well off of left-handed pitching, but not hit the fastball, the first thing I think is, let me go see where he's hitting the ball in relation to the field. Sure enough, pulling the ball more than ever. So that's going to be a big tell to me. And I think that's why we're seeing a Lewis Brinson that hits lefties better because he's able to cheat out in front and do that. The problem is that I am sure if I can pick this up on Baseball Savant in my room on my desk, that 29 other major league teams can figure that out. If not, I hope to get a job shortly because it didn't take me that long. And the obvious answer is teams will figure that out. And what am I going to do if I'm pitching to Lewis Brinson? I'm going to pitch that man backwards. I'm going to start him with a breaking ball. Then I'm going to bust him in with fastballs. And there is no way he catches up to it. If he does, I'll tip my cap and adjust later. But based on what I'm seeing, I don't think he would be able to hit that. And I would set him up perfectly. And if I'm a left-handed pitcher with a cutter, forget it. I hope Lewis Brinson purchased a ton of bats because he's going to run through them every at-bat against me. So that's the thing is, can he adjust? Can he continue this success? I think that it was a sign of good things regardless, right? The fact that he had some confidence, the fact that he was able to find a pitch that he could punish, which was the breaking ball. Okay, I can keep my body back. I can stay more centered and I can find a pitch that I will be able to still hit and have that path to it right? Because he has that long sweeping path where it comes through and the breaking ball almost breaks right down into his path. It's perfect. Whereas the fastball, he's kind of going down to up and that's why you see him foul him back or swing right through him. The breaking ball seems to break right down into his swing path, which is not a very desirable swing path. 
he finds a way to make it work against those pitches. Again, if I see that, I'm not going to be throwing him those pitches as much. I will say, though, the positive is that he's not chasing the off-speed as much, and that's the thing. Is So he knows, I'm not going to be able to hit the change-ups as well. I haven't hit the fastballs as well this year. So anything fastball-related early in the count, he's not really swinging at those as much. And he's almost sitting curveball most of the time, which is pretty nuts, but it works for him this year. Whether it's going to work next year, that remains to be seen, but I think he seems like he's finding ways to cheat around just not having a great swing instead of just trying to figure out how to have a great swing. We've seen him make the adjustments with his timing mechanisms. We've seen him make those changes with his stance and with the leg kick and this and that. But at the end of the day, it's the bat path that's the problem. And he needs to simplify it. He needs to cut it down. And until he does that, he's going to have some problems being able to hit fastballs at the major league level. Silver lining is he is a fourth outfielder if he's able to do this, right? A guy that can hit roughly 250 against lefties, but hit you for some power and put up a 750 to 800 OPS to play the defense that he plays. There is value there as a fourth outfielder. I know that that's not what the Marlins or fans hoped that Lewis Brinson would be, but we were talking about a guy that the Marlins should potentially cut their losses from last year or going into this year. Now, I think that he's more than valuable enough to to have a roster spot on that 26-man or whatever it's going to be next year and to be a fourth outfielder in the meantime. Can he continue to make strides? I'm not going to count him out yet because this was the best he has looked, but he's going to need to find a way to hit without cheating, and that's the thing that he really needs to be able to do, which is only going to happen when he adjusts his path and shortens up. So this was my breakdown of Lewis Brinson. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I love doing these, and I'm going to go through all these players. As I said before, if you have anybody you want me to do first, fire a tweet at me at, at RMLateNate or at LockedOnMarlins or shoot me a DM and let me know what you prefer. I'll move it up to the top of the list. I'm sure Lewis Brinson wasn't on the top of most of your list, but hopefully I made it interesting for you, and hopefully you enjoyed this breakdown. I look forward to talking Marlins with you tomorrow, and as always, thank you for listening.